Since 1983, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now, at Copenhagen, save $500 on any stressless signature or leg comforter recliner model. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit the showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary since 1983. I love you so much. I love you so much. Uh, okay, love so you too, Addie. I love you too. Nux. You guys are so sweet. <laughs> I'm feeling very loved this week. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the podcast about the people, places, and things we love about Austin. Our podcast is from the feature staff of the Austin American Statesman, and we're sponsored by Copenhagen Furniture. I'm food writer Addie Broyles, and in this week's episode, John and Kendall Antonelli come to the studio to talk about how they came to running Austin's first standalone cheese shop and how being business owners and parents changed their relationship with the city. We talk about being a boss who isn't afraid to be vulnerable, enjoying the many layers of what it means to be an Austinite, and why their partnership grew stronger after they started working together. Just a heads up, these guys could win the Cutest Couple in Austin Award every year. So without further ado, here are John and Kendall. Kendall and John Antonelli, welcome to I Love You So Much. Yay, thanks Woo-hoo! for having us, Addie. Thanks this for coming. This is awesome. <laughs> Yay, thanks for being here. And you guys brought cheese. So. Of course. Do you, do you just show up with bags of cheese everywhere you go? Nope, just for you. Oh, <laughs> just, I feel so special. Yeah, typically we forget. We'll work so hard right up to the last minute, going yeah. home, going to a party, and we're like, oh, man, we forgot the The one cheese place that again. we surprisingly don't have a lot of cheese is in our house, which, you know, people come over, our kids come home, and they're like, where's the cheese? Whoops, sorry. I mean, we're with it all day long at the shop, and we just forgot it. <laughs> That's adorable. Um, so I just kind of want to start with, like, how did you guys end up in Austin? Because you're both not from here, but you've established a business here, have a family here, but Austin is not where you were raised. So what drew you here? Yeah, I'm from North Texas. Um, I was actually born in Houston, but once my parents divorced, I grew up in a little town called Cool, Texas, which is uh, uh, perhaps anything but cool. But no, I loved it. It was 45 <laughs> minutes west of Fort Worth, um, and I commuted to school an hour one way every day and back and forth. What, you mean like in elementary and high school? Uh-huh. Yes. That's a long commute. It is. Uh-huh. And then... um, Without podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or TV. What did and... we do at the time? And no technology. Yeah, well, different technology. Different. Um, and I wanted to go study international relations. So I went to Georgetown University in D.C. to do that. And John grew up... Uh, in, in New York, right out, about 30 minutes northwest of New York City. Mm-hmm. And um, followed my brother to Georgetown. Ah. Yeah. And so we met at Georgetown. John did the School of Business. I did the School of Foreign Service. Um, and we actually met at the time um, through the Students of Georgetown Incorporated, which um, it was is the largest all-student-run business organization in the nation, or it was at the time. Um, so no adults involved, students doing everything. And we ran yeah, coffee, grocery couldn't stores. Couldn't quite call us adults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, yeah. So, and I was a uh, vice president of grocery, and John was actually um, chairman of the board. And so that's how we, we first met. And you then, guys, it's funny because you're basically living that life now, yeah. just in different I, ways. Yes, yeah. uh, amazingly. Uh, it's uh, We didn't draw inspiration from that until later in life, way after we had moved to Austin. But we ended up uh, getting together senior year, mm-hmm. started dating about six months before college mm-hmm. and um, with no expectation. Before graduation. Of, yeah, before the end of mm-hmm. college um, with no expectation of Continuing, I think that's the reason it worked for us is there was never that 
let's define this. What mm-hmm. We just started having fun and having fun together. And then it was every day. And then my roommates couldn't get rid of John. And then John became best friends with my roommates and I got jealous. And uh, But from then on out, we were kind of inseparable. And when school ended, we said, let's just keep going and see how long we can um, have fun in this relationship. And in college, my I had some challenges. Uh, my freshman year, my mom had gotten diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, and she actually knew before she dropped me off. And we we're very close, but she didn't tell me so because she was afraid I wouldn't show up to school. Um, and she survived that. She's great. She's actually just oh, that was colon cancer. She just battled breast cancer this year and has survived that as well. So she's a strong woman. She's doing well. Um, shout out to all the people out there battling and fighting and surviving or remembering those. Um, and then my sophomore year, my father um, passed away unexpectedly and pretty tragically. And then later, my grandmother had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and she kind of helped raise me as well. So all that being said, it's not a downer. It's part of my journey. It's what happened. But we stuck it out in D.C. Um, for about a year afterwards. But that was during the market was pretty competitive. We were making livings out of various paid internships and jumping around. And I thought, okay, it's time for me to go home. I got to come do this college thing. I need to be home and near to my family. But I do not want to move back um, to where I'm from just because there weren't as many opportunities and what I wanted to do. And UT, um, go Horns, best um, Latin American studies program um, in the nation for graduates. So I came to graduate school and I said, honey, I think I'm, I'm moving to Texas. And John said, all right, can I come with you? And at that point, I don't think he'd ever step foot in Texas. And so mm-hmm. we moved to Austin. And I think what we loved about it was even though I had been to Austin once or twice before, I didn't really know Austin and it was a city that we both discovered together. So it wasn't yeah. me saying, Hey, come to all my favorite places. And this is where I did this first time. Or instead it was us discovering everything for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And even since then, which I'm sure we'll talk about at different phases of our life, we keep just seeing Austin in a new light. And that's something we're, that we're loving. We're about still it. going through the adventure together. It's amazing. This is so sweet. Yeah. I really, and John, what, what, why were you like, when we when we decided, oh wait, this is where we want to put down roots. How did that come about for us? You're our memory. How did well we f- just fell in love with the city. I yeah. mean, when we first got here in 2005, it it was a little smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, you we had come from D.C. where you can't quite know anything but maybe one quarter of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got to Austin, you could really know the whole city. We ended up um, finding an awesome house in Rosedale to move into and it just we bought it sight unseen before having even moved Ooh, yeah. yeah you guys are brave. risky it and was. brave but it was awesome but yeah. austin has many similarities to dc i mean it's a city on a river we love that we love the outdoor environment um something that's pretty crucial to my mental health is light and trees and greenery and um <laughs> taking big deep breaths outside mm-hmm. and i feel like austin offers all those things and it's amazing that so quickly you can be outside of yeah. the city as well if 30 you minutes you're in the hill country and you have you're by yourself and so, it's amazing did you feel like you belonged here when you moved was yeah. it sort of an immediate oh yeah sensible oh yeah oh yeah we yeah. did and all of our friends instantly started to travel to us when they came for the first time and they saw sixth street and they're like oh you know it take, cost ten dollars for a beer in new york city and a dollar here <laughs> we're coming <laughs> we're coming to austin <laughs> yeah. more often so so our our tribe visited us and made it feel like home and as i'm well. sure some of those people have moved here 
I'm just yes. guessing. Yes. Uh, so, Kendall, did you finish your graduate degree? I did. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, and I ended up working at a nonprofit um, at the time. It was called Political Asylum Project of Austin. Now it's American Gateways, and they provide free and low cost legal services, um, immigration legal services. And so, I started out in the family based project. Actually, I started out as an intern, then in the family based project um, with family reunification, and then I ended up running the Immigrant Victims of Crime Protection Project. And so, they're still around and doing amazing work, and it's a great organization to support. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, yeah, what were you doing, John? When I first moved down here, I was I had been working with a, a consulting firm in, in D.C. So I spent about six months working with them from here. And then uh, I was supporting Kendall through school. So I, I was her chauffeur for... Mm, loved it. Who doesn't love a pre, chauffeur who takes you and drops you yeah. off? And fantastic. parking around campus is horrible. Yeah, uh, that's and then in uh, January of 2000, or February of 2006, I got a job at Deloitte & Touche as an, an accountant, as an auditor. Yeah. And uh, and that was um, a really great opportunity. I had been in the internship programs for a couple of years in D.C., but I had chosen not to follow that career path. Uh, but when I came to Austin, the the people there were fantastic, uh, and it was a great job to get. I was very lucky. So I started with them. So just about numbers six and immigration nonprofit work uh, had nothing to do with cheese. Which this story you've told a million times, but. If I recall, it has something to do with your honeymoon. It yes. sure does. Aww. So when did you get married? 2007. And John remembers all the dates between us. And then <laughs> the cheese ball. And that was the day, if I'm not mistaken, you said, hey, can, I think we should run a cheese shop. No. Or, or well, you want to get into Oh, cheese. he waited three days. We our, were on our honeymoon. For three on days the beach. into it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I waited three days. We, I didn't know about annulment. But Kendall and I have had a great relationship together since, well, since that first day. Our relationship would be great for rom-com. I mean, it, it would be, if we can sell the rights and write it. I wrote half of it already, Kendall. Any screenwriters out there, we've got a yeah. perfect drama. It's a great drama story. Great yeah. story. Um, uh, but when we, uh, we were on our honeymoon, and I was sitting there, um, we just had like the perfect wedding. Um, we have amazing dogs. We had this amazing house. Uh, had an amazing wife. And I was just sitting there, I was reading a book, um, a teen sci-fi book that talks about the future and predictability and all that. And I thought to myself, man, the only thing that isn't perfect right now is the work that I'm doing. And I, I was thinking back to the times at, at Georgetown when we were working in that students of Georgetown incorporated, I was at the same time running two other programs um, on campus, uh, school sports promotion group and uh, the school spirit group and also uh, traditions day. And those activities gave me so much energy, so much passion, so much enthusiasm that I could also go out and have fun at night and do my work and was successfully. And so I was thinking to myself, you know what? This job isn't for me. So I turned over to Kendall. I leaned over. I said, Kendall, I'm going to quit my job when we get home. And I said, uh, what are you going to do? And he said, something in cheese. And so we, we honestly, it happened just like that. We don't know why he said cheese. But I do remember him saying, um, nobody likes an auditor, but everybody loves cheese. And I just want to make people happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we kind of have honed it in over after all these years that we have a personal mission in life, both of us, to spread joy. And it, we're just lucky that the vehicle we do that through is cheese. But mm-hmm. it could be any number of things. It brings people together. Yeah. It's, it's a singular pre- pleasure in your mouth and sort of like a solo experience. Yeah. But I think I've also heard you guys talk about how it's a, it's a gathering space. You have a, you have a cheese plate out. People are talking about it. They're laughing. It's sort of an icebreaker. And then they're sharing about their lives. And it is this uh, point of connection for people. It is. It's the proverbial breaking of bread, right? Yeah. So whether it's in our classes, which we host open to the public, and people get together, our goal is to always start out and saying, 
hey, guys, whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever you politically believe, that's outside those doors. And it's fast paced and it's crazy. And here we're just going to get together over our shared connectivity and share some cheese and talk about stories. And most importantly, the labor of love and the producers who make them and what goes into it. And we do the same thing in our shop. When people come in, if they don't know, they can taste everything for free and fun. And we always say we're not cheese makers, we're storytellers. And Mm. so we like to tell the story of food. Um, We're good. John and I joked about when we came up with the business concept. Well, we're good at eating and talking. And they usually say your strengths are what you're good at. And that's what you should pursue. (laughs) So we're good at eating and talking. And we're, we're at our best when we're together. Um, and so we could put that all together and this cheese shop in Austin didn't have a cheese shop at the time. So we got to become Austin's first cut to order cheese shop. And from then on, the rest has been amazing, really from the support on day one. Um, Carla Crownover, who's out there and anybody in the food community knows her because she's one of the biggest champions for all of us. She was our first customer to walk in. Um, first one in the POS, first one, uh, our first number. And to this date, um, I mean, she's basically our kids, like God aunt, if we did that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's part she's of the family. family. Mm-hmm. Customer number one. And yep. how many other business owners would say that about her? I mean, I could, so lot. many. She's so, so beloved. Many. Yeah. yeah so Carla, many. big shout out to you. Send you a big hug, girl. Um, so how did your experience of Austin change when you became a business owner? I, you know, I think of Austin, it's an amazing city. And what I think is so special about it has been that every time that we've transitioned, we've discovered an even better layer than what we thought was the best already. And so when we were in our early 20s, mid 20s, um, the city offered everything we could possibly want. And we had access to so much great, so many great activities. And we were talking to some older friends and we were talking to some neighbors who um, were in their 50s, 60s. And you could hear it in their voice that just this absolute love for the, the space that they were in at that time. And so when we transitioned into business owners, um, I think that what happened, <laughs> Kendall and I started going out a lot less. We yeah. st- started spending less time at home. The irony of opening a food business is you cook a lot more yeah. before you open it. And then after you open it, you eat takeout a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so we ended up um, during that time, I think what I fell in love with was just the amazing support that we received from the food community. I mean, we walked, open those doors on day one, worried that we were imposters, that we didn't know what we were talking about, that we were so new to the game. Um, we had, I had trained for two years, but still that didn't feel like enough. And so the Austin community was just incredibly supportive. And now a couple of years later, we had our first kid and all of a sudden the house that we had that was convenient to downtown was convenient to a playground <laughs> and super convenient to a swimming pool and super convenient to walking activities. I could walk around the neighborhood all day long, pushing him in a stroller while he was settled down for a nap. And again, each transition has just been a better layer. Mm. And I love that. I love that. So I, my expectation is that we'll continue based off the conversations I've had and continue to have with people at different ages of their experience, adventure. Man, I'm just thinking about the layers of life. Yeah. And how the longer you live in a place, uh, the, it changes your perspective on how you see it. Not entirely. It's a yes and, right? Yes like, and. You know, this is the, you're a nice park that maybe was nice for date nights whenever you were first here. And then a place to go take your kid. And then, you know, a place to have maybe a little bit of quiet alone time away from the kids. Yeah. So you can <laughs> regain your sanity. Exactly. Yes, yeah. to all of the above. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you all have cheese from all over the world in your shop. But right. I know you probably try. They're like your children. You try not to have favorites. So let's just talk about maybe some of the local cheesemakers that you love to tell people about. Yeah. Okay. So first, when we first opened, we really, 
it's we didn't define it literally as local, but we were fighting the battle of people not thinking America has good artisanal cheese. So when we opened, we thought, are we going to be only only represent American producers? And we said no, because our whole goal is to make cheese buying fun and approachable and demystify it. And all we couldn't think of anything more off-putting than somebody coming in and saying, can I have some Parmigiano Reggiano or Parm? And us saying, well, we don't carry that, but we carry this. And all of a sudden, they couldn't ha- connect with that case. So we knew we needed to have some imported cheese in there just as that, oh, everybody loves Manchego. Everybody loves Aguda. Great. This is your entry point. Oh, and also, have you taste this? This is made in Wisconsin. It's a Parm style by this producer. And that entry point to have that discussion. So really, we were fighting the, and when we opened 10 years ago, there were only a couple Texas cheesemakers. So when people say, do you only support Texas producers, we wouldn't have a shop if we were only doing that. Um, But then again, it's also been really important to us to get their stories out. And the more we can be a conduit and do that for them, the more it allows them to take care of their herds, their animals, stay on their farm and doing what they love and making cheese. Let you guys do the selling. Yes. Do the cheese making. Yes. So with that, agreed. I used to always say, I don't have a favorite cheese. That's like picking your favorite kid. Well, now that I have two kids, I know that I do have a favorite. It just changes every other day. So it yes, and. depends who gave me the, the better hug in the morning and who refused to acknowledge me that morning. Um, shout out and love to our daughter, Elia, who is a spirited five, and our son, Everett, who's seven. Um, so some of our favorite local cheesemakers just right here around Austin, we're in the heart of goat country. And so these are the best goat milk cheeses. So we've been supporting, and one of our best well-known Texas producers is Pure Luck Farm and Dairy, Amelia Sweetheart. Um and her husband, Ben, and her sister, Hope, and what they do. Um, And they have national acclaim for some of the most award-winning fresh chev and feta, um, and we absolutely love them. And so you can get them not only at our shop, but at uh, both uh, Central Market and um, Whole Foods and the Farmer's Market. And whenever you can buy direct from a producer, we will say do that. Um, The convenience of us is that you get to do it seven days a week. Um, But if you can go meet them, then then by all means do that. We've also supported um, Chrissy Omo of CK Farms out of Blanco and that CKC stands for Chrissy, Kenneth, and Connor. And she started when she was in her teens, which is incredible. And I can't believe we've, we're have we getting older. We're getting more gray, honey. But we've gotten to be a part of her story and her journey. And um, she invited us to her wedding. And then we were one of the first people she told when she was pregnant. And now she has basically a one-year-old. And she asked me to write her re- reference for her um, MBA program at Texas State. And so we've it's been exciting to grow with people in that way. And then most recently, we're super excited for Jenna Kelly Landis to come on the scene. Um, She is our closest farmstead producer to Austin. And what farmstead means is it's all the work. She has the animals, um, and just like Pure Luck and CKC do. Um, But you're not just buying milk and making it, which is hard enough as it is. Um, You're doing everything that it takes to get that cheese. Raising the skills, milking the goats. Yeah, and so she's in Mainer. And so anybody who can get out and and start supporting her, um, we sell her um, as well as a couple other venues. Um, And so it's exciting to see her growth. And anybody who can get behind a producer right when they're starting, they really need it. And they need that help ramping up. So she's Bee Tree Farm. Yes. Bee Tree Farm, yeah. Yeah. And her Mm -hmm. sister six years ago was selling shortbread Yes, to us, and that's the relationship we've had with them. It's over the years, yeah, amazing. So relationships are obviously a big part of this process. It or maybe the the main part, the foundation, yeah, yeah. The with foundation, your customers, with everything. your purveyors, and relationships exactly. over yeah. cheese. Because without the relationships, we wouldn't have the cheese. And but philanthropy is also a big part of your business. I'm always seeing on Facebook, you guys are speaking to different groups, you're volunteering with different organizations. 
you take leadership in this community really seriously. How did that, I mean, was that just a sort of a natural evolution of your idea of what it means to be a business owner? I'm sure these are some of the values you learned in Georgetown way back in the day. I mean, at Georgetown, yes, it's a, the Jesuit tradition of serving your community. But I, I, we, both of us come from family members and parents who do the same thing. I'm from a long line of entrepreneurs. My mom gives more talks these days than I do. She just flew to Scotland. She's on a plane to Scotland right now to do a big presentation. What is she what talking they about? Do. Um, my mom and stepdaughter ranchers in North Texas, and they operate the single largest single herd in the nation. Um, and they're through their cattle practices and their holistic management. They're actually bringing back native grasses, which had gone extinct, um, and populations of birds. And so they're um, a living proof to the science that the cattle are works. bad. Yeah, and so it's instead regenerative, showing regenerative, regenerative. exactly. Yeah, that's really so that's cool. what they got invited to. And then John's dad was a principal, and then you already heard John say at Georgetown how he ran everything. And um, <laughs> so I think part of it is that we're innately in it, but we long ago made the decision that if we couldn't contribute to the community that supported us, it wasn't worth doing. Mm-hmm. And so we've always had to creatively find ways to do that, even when we didn't have money in the bank to do it. So for us, it wasn't about writing over a big check every day. It was instead, what are the skill sets that we can offer? And so whether it's sharing our entrepreneurial story with people who want to start up and um, sharing a story of depression and surviving that, um, successes and challenges we faced. Um, What what else, John? Well, I think it's just important to know it was ingrained in serving others is ingrained in what we do. And if, if you, if you get creative, you can serve others at this minute. You can start now. And we've just throughout the years of 10 years, have come up with different iterations. The current philanthropy plan that Kendall works through is um, created and put forward for our business has been a really great way for us to channel that sort of impact. And again, the business isn't worth running if if we can't give back to our community. Without the philanthropy plan? Is that what yeah. I just heard? Oh, yeah. That, I think we all need a personal philanthropy plan. Yeah. Exactly. I think I'm going to actually go home, write that on the top of a piece of paper and just... Yeah, and formalize what I feel like is for many people just sort of an informal sense of like helpfulness or they want to be, you know, contribute to their communities, but you guys are very intentional. Well, and we felt like we'd already been doing it for years, but wait, we should put this together and what does it mean and then hold ourselves accountable to it. So now we partner up with one local nonprofit up per month and they're our hashtag charitable cheese cause. And on one day we donate a portion of proceeds to them, but um, more important, we're a small shop that compared to the big big stores is not huge um, revenue wise, but we have allowed, uh, we're loud people, as you can tell when we talk <laughs> a lot, but we have a big reach we've recognized. And so that's the power we have is that to our 60 or 70,000 followers, we can share the mission of some of these nonprofits who are working in food access, food sustainability, or green environmental issues. And that's what we try to do now. Lifting up those voices and those causes. Um, well, one thing you've been really vocal about is NAMI, the local chapter of the National Alliance for Mental Ill- or on uh, Mental Illness. And I've noticed in reading your newsletters that it really has brought this level of vulnerability to your public-facing persona as a business and as individual entrepreneurs. Was that a difficult decision to make? And what have you gained out of that experience? Sure. So my, uh, I battled depression on and off in my youth, and we just didn't really know it or label it or call it anything at that time. But I grew up in a supportive, with a supportive mom, but not in the culture that necessarily was supportive, but of, she took me to therapy on and off. And then it culminated my junior year in um, college when I had a pretty scary night and I was hospitalized. Um, and I was behind locked doors for a couple weeks or 
actually they let me out on good behavior, which um, is a longer story that goes to, I think, my privilege because um, not everybody got to share that same story. Um, and so through some hard work and the, my personal toolkit that worked for me, and it's different for everybody, um, but through a lot of therapy, um, uh, for me, I was on medication um, and then good nights of sleep, getting exercise, having a routine, going to bed at a certain time every night, which is not easy in college. And just to put this out there, I was not a saint. It just meant I partied hard earlier in the day and went to bed early, <laughs> yep. but I stuck to that schedule and got up early. Something we still stick to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. People make fun of us because John and I are in bed at like 9, 9.15 every night. Um, so it will be hard for us when we travel and we don't do the late nights. Um, but so all of that was a part of my story. And I, I've always been really open about it one-on-one, mostly because I'm pretty in your face what you see is what you get i don't i couldn't keep a secret if i tried and unless, she, she told me that on our first date so i knew our first date was at the melting pot by the way over fondue it was awesome and i sat down with john and i said here's everything that's wrong with me and john just to his credit looked at me and said great i can live with that um so that was pretty awesome and then i felt like i didn't have any skeletons to hide and that felt so much more freeing so maybe john you were part of that process for me and that i've always been open about it but to your point when um, NAMI asked me to be the honorary chair of their walk, which is coming up again this September, to raise awareness, and also May is Mental Health Awareness Month, but I feel like every every freaking day should be Mental Health Awareness <laughs> Month. We should all be checking in daily. Um, I said yes quickly, but then I realized that it all was still part of my ongoing journey because I had never stood in front of a stage of 2,000 people and talked about it. And then the statesman um, gratefully posted my op-ed that I wrote. And when I got that, I was shaking because here I'd been so brave and saying I'd been on the radio, I'd been on the news, and I talked about it. But all of a sudden, it was in print in my hands. And I thought, oh, crap, this is a whole new level of real of me coming out. There's no going back into my closet on this one. It's out. And, you know, um, the goal is to destigmatize it. And uh, so... I realized that I have, again, this power that if I can share my story, and I'm fortunate because I'm my own boss, so there's no retaliation against me in the workplace or anything like that. And if I can show other people that, yes, you can go through this and your story is unique to you, but you can battle it. And there are people, the, the way I like to always describe it is depression is a, this is the way my papa described it to me, is depression is a big black hole and you feel all alone and that you can't get out. Well, it's unique to you, but just know that there are a lot of other people in that hole and you can't find them and you can't see them and you don't want to do the work because it just feels so hopeless, but they are also in there. And so if we can all claim that together, there's power in that. And then we can get resources and advocate for ourselves. And maybe some of those who aren't ready to claim that yet, I'm here to be loud and claim it for them. So NAMI provides um, support therapy groups. And one of the hardest things about thinking about my journey was my mom getting that telephone call that I was hospitalized. So they have really great support groups for parents um, as well as um, other support groups that I don't want to trigger anybody right now. But so people can go check them out. Um, And I'm also on the board of the Austin Child Guidance Center. So that's been really important to me um, because I think my recovery is fully due to all the resources that I received and other people aren't so fortunate. So the Austin Child Guidance Center provides uh, free and low-cost mental health services to anybody regardless of ability to pay, um, to any youth. Um, So, And they have walk-in clinics. And so I've been hearing a lot on social media that parents are – nowadays it's great. They're acknowledging it. They recognize their kids need help. Kids are getting better about saying, I need help. But then all of a sudden they're on these long wait lists and they can't find anywhere immediately to do anything. So just know that you can, uh, ACGC has two clinics weekly where you can just show up 
and immediately start seeing somebody and getting services while you're waiting on somebody else's wait list. Mm. And I just the more that we talk about it, the more people can recognize that, oh, maybe, maybe I do have some symptoms or maybe I am experiencing something that I heard somebody else talk about once but previously might not have known was connected to something deeper that I needed to explore. Well, I'm lucky to be married to her because I'm currently battling depression myself. And so having somebody as open as Kendall allows me to make better decisions for myself and take care of myself. And it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. It's good modeling for the kids. It's modeling for the community. There's so much love between you. It's just palpable. Well, I'm, I'm really proud of him. I mean, he's, I, it's easy for me to talk about it. I'm 15 years out and John's doing a lot of work right now. We had a tough year in 2018. We opened a a downtown location and closed it 11 um, months later or 12 months later. Uh, And it was really tough act of leadership and the people involved. And that was really tough for us. And so that kind of instigated some things for John, for both of us. Um, But it's, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be his rock when he's always been mine now and that he's so open about his journey. Um, And so anybody who ever wants to talk to us, we're in it, we're in it together. Um, But nobody else is alone in it either. Mm. The only way out is through. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing and being so open about this. I think it, uh, it really resonates and shakes with, you know, vibrates inside and I feel like uh, you can probably tell that when you're speaking to 2,000 people or just one-on-one that you yeah. know, we're kind of all in this journey together. We are. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, we're going to do some rapid fire that Sounds involves great. some of your best places in Austin, favorite places to go. Oh, so gosh. where's your favorite place when you don't have the kids and you have a date night? Uchiko. Alamo Draft House. Ooh. You could do Uchiko and then the Draft House. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you like the food at the Draft House? Yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy it. It's been uh, that, <laughs> that uh, feeling of uh, comfort for for me since we moved down here. It's one of our favorite things to do. Is we bonded over movies. In fact, the first day we were um, hanging out, we I saw a picture on our wall of a dog, and I was like, "Oh, it's my therapy dog." This is therapy. And what's that? What's the name? And she said, "El Guapo." I said, "Oh, like the Three Amigos." It's my favorite movie. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> be still my heart." We're meant to be. So now yeah. we have, and now we we have a lucky day and dusty bottoms. Um, so those are your yeah. dogs. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Oh man, I used to. And so we bonded over movies. So we both are movie. But we fanatics. we love the Alamo Draft House because when we first opened, especially, we would never stop talking shop. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then new parents know when we had kids, you never stop talking about your kids. And so you go out on date night and you'd say, "Okay, we can't talk about business. We can't talk about kids." And we'd look at each other and be like, "What do we?" And we just slip back into it. But if we go to a movie, we can't talk at all, <laughs> which is what we need for two people who talk a lot. And just then after like, the movie, you can talk about the movie. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. That's actually a really good dating hack. It's for, fantastic. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People who work together. People who work together because we talk all day. Yeah. I mean, and it's wonderful. We both are on the same page yeah. 99.9% of the time. So, and then I love Uchiko because it's two blocks from our house. And we just always get, when we, when we, we're in the hospitality business. And so we take care of people all day long. And it's nice to just go and let somebody else take care of us. And from beginning to end, they've always got our back. So shout out to our, to our, all of our Uchiko folks who have not seen us in a while because we've not been on date yeah. night in a while. They have, I think, the best service in town. Yeah. One time they, we, we're so, I guess, honored because they said they were sending folks over to learn service from us. And we thought this was like a one-time deal way back when. Um, so I'm not taking any of the credit. Yeah. yeah um, but th- that was the, the one of the biggest honors. And so Definitely. we do like trades and stuff with them often just because they're good good to us. And good we partners. just love being treated. That family. It's that idea of family. Yeah. yeah. Family of choice. Um, okay. So when you happen to be by yourselves, not working together, and you need some one-on-just on just alone time. Where do you go to the city to sort of recharge, have some of that maybe communion with nature, 
Go treat yourself doesn't for a little shopping. It doesn't happen often enough. So John and I don't spend a lot of time apart. Yeah. And John, you don't really like to, right? Not really. Yeah. I'm one for like I like you said, I do a lot of networking and I do a lot of presentations. And sometimes I'm on my way home and John knows I've left and I'm like, Well, the kids are already in bed. Okay, honey, I'm just gonna stop and get a sushi roll and a glass of wine. I'll be home in a little bit. So I still I if I'm already out, we'll just stop somewhere yeah. and treat myself. And I know there's folks out there who can't stand to eat alone. I love just sitting with myself and being quiet and not looking at a phone and enjoying a glass of wine. And if you ever see me out, I talk all the time. Just let me be at that one moment. No, no, no. That happens maybe yeah. like once every other month. But yeah. And I go for a run in the morning yeah, you're, at 4.30 before, oh. the kid, before everybody's awake. That's my time. Yeah, that's true. That's Josh, actually really nice. Yeah. I get my time at the first two hours before the do you run around up. your neighborhood or do you go to yeah town lake sometimes town lake at yeah. that more at that time i also last summer was swimming in barton springs at 5 15 5 30 i forget when it opens that is a key to happiness for it sure. was awesome yeah. it was scary uh was yeah awesome. key to your <laughs> happiness that's like key to my madness oh, i'm yeah. not I mean, jumping in pitch black i mean pitch sure black cold, cold water is an intense that's the scary part yeah. oh yeah well like a, a little leaf brushes against you and you just start swimming your <laughs> well it, you don't wear a light on you or anything to <laughs> no. like let other people and how many people are there at that time there's like five yeah I, I almost bump into them, but in that gigantic pool. I mean, yeah. I know some people who are at Barton Springs every single morning, and it's sort of like a, like a mikvah. It's like a blessing, a way to sort of yeah restart your day and yeah get a, a cleanse. Yeah, a cleanse. Exactly. Okay, so now we're going to talk about with your kids. So yes. it's been raining a lot lately on the weekends. <laughs> Please tell me what do you do with your kids on a Saturday afternoon when it's raining? Uh, well, Saturday afternoon when it's raining, uh, they beg for the thinkery. Okay. Um, which we absolutely love. I think it's a great organization to support and a great place. Um, catch Air. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, what's Catch Air? Catch Air is an indoor like tumble place tumble for smallers, okay. smaller kids. Well, yeah. and for dads. I'm, I'm a I'm a huge fan. <laughs> your, your American Ninja Warrior training yeah, is underway. Catch Air and Mount Playmore. There's a couple like yeah. that. Um, or uh, we. Um, I think recently I was gonna I was joke laughing because when we were. The kids were younger. Kendall wanted to always go to Shoal Creek Saloon for crawfish. But now that the kids are older and they can actually eat it, she takes them there. So if it's so raining. So John didn't like that because he's like, okay, you're going to sit there and eat crawfish and I'm going to watch our kids who are yeah. whining and wanting so to get away. But now, those would be our date days. We'd go to Shoal Creek for crawfish. Now that the kids are older, they like it. we like that. Yeah. yeah and funny. our favorite family place to eat out is actually New Fortune Dim Sum. And um, with with the kids and it's just fun and full and interactive and they're they're pretty adventurous eaters so they'll point to things and trying them left and right knocked over by carts as it comes yes <laughs> it's awesome oh that sounds like fun and we love dim sum at wu chow but we never book it far enough advance so yeah. uh new fortune allows the the interactive so we're, we're we're all we're a full contact sport of eating so whether it's crawfish on our shirts nobody can see i'm gesticulating all up and down or it's a uh, dim sum all over us we like to to eat with with full body contact you're not having fun if you're not wearing food yeah exactly that's so great well thank you guys so much for coming into the studio it was a real pleasure and uh have fun in spain you're they great you are awesome Thanks, enjoy uh, a little break from austin but then when you get back we'll be here for you cool awesome thank you thank you we love you austin that's our show thanks for listening and thanks to our sponsor copenhagen furniture check out the austin 360 instagram and facebook page for more about life in austin and talk to us on twitter at love austin 360 Leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. 
I love you so much. The Austin 360 podcast is a production of the feature staff at the Austin American Statesman. This episode was produced by Alyssa Vidales. Our theme music is from local band Hardproof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find everything you'd ever want to know about this show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com. We couldn't do the show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your suggestions of who we should feature next on I Love You So Much. Until next week, we'll see you watching the first fireflies of the season in your backyard. Since 1983, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now, at Copenhagen, save $500 on any stressless signature or leg comforter recliner model. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit the showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary since 1983. Thank you.